Welcome to the LBC Sermon Podcast. This podcast is recorded live at Love Beyond Church in Harveston, Johannesburg, every Sunday at 9am, and may include the sounds of God's creation and our scenic environment. Join us as we press into the heart of God and His will for our lives. Welcome. Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord, that you are the name above every name. Father, we thank you that in you we live, move, and have our being. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're in control of our getting up and our lying down. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that you are never, ever wrong, and you're always perfectly on time. I thank you, Father God, that you're not a God of chance but you're an intentional God and a God of purpose. So Father, I thank you that you knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that the plans you have for us are plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans of a hope and a future. In you we live, move, and have our being. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are more than enough. So, Father, we commit this morning to you, Father. Father, may you be glorified. Let no one look at any man other than to look towards you. Father, what is not of you may it fall on deaf ears. May your word speak. May your word divide lies and truth. And I thank you, Father God, for transformation, reformation, and restoration. That no one that came in this morning will leave the same way when they go out. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you're not seated, please be seated. Hallelujah. Well, what an exciting morning. Amen. We have the water baptisms happening. So excited about that. Hallelujah. It's awesome. Thank you everyone for coming and supporting and being here. Because I tell you what, it's, it's such a beautiful moment. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning my message is really about unity and understanding unity. And although it seems like it's a very simple message, it's actually a very difficult message. Because who knows that unity is very complex. And diversity in itself is just of, by nature, creates so much division and so much strife. You know, God says that it is so pleasing to Him when the brethren dwell in unity. And in that he commands his blessing. And we're not preparing this, you know, and there's going to be a bit of teaching this morning. Is everybody okay with that? And by God's grace, I'm going to be able to move through this as quickly as possible because I know we're very excited. And um, But I need to get this out, and I believe it's a very important message. And it's one of the most important subjects in the New Testament. It really is. But it's the most difficult subject to apply in a biblical, faithful manner. <laughs> you know, um, unity is frequently, if you wonder why I'm not moving, is because, we praise God, let's give the Lord a hand of praise, our new camera, Woo! God bless us with, hallelujah. Um, so I've been given strict instructions by Brother Graham. I can go, yeah, I can go, yeah. I can go, yeah. Where else, brother? 
Because normally, as you know, I'm normally running around like a lunatic. But today, by God's grace, I'm going to be controlled. And I'm going to get this out in Jesus' name. Anyway, coming back to this. So, when it comes to unity, we kind of have two extremes, right? And people frequently misunderstand and misapply unity. And really misunderstand what we mean by biblical unity. You know, um, people say this. They will know that we are Christians by our love, not by our doctrinal agreement. Let's focus on, come on, hear what I'm saying? Let's focus on where we agree and set aside the areas where we disagree. Does that sound normal? People say that? Well, this is it. And you're going to love me, please. This is about unity, so we're going to be in unity this morning. Amen. But I've got to deal with some holy cows. Shoot a few holy cows in the foot. It's always a good thing. So let's focus on where we agree and set aside the areas where we disagree. So what happens is we jump really to the other side and sound doctrine gets thrown aside in favor of everyone joining hands and singing. We are one in the spirit. Yeah. You're hearing this. But the resulting unity is not true biblical unity. You see, we're not talking about unity. We're talking about biblical unity. Yeah. As followers of Christ, we need to understand the difference. You know, on the other side of the spectrum, we also have the other extreme. You know, where there's an attempt to preserve the purity of the church. You know, and we divide about everything and we can't agree. Every minor little issue becomes a major issue. You know? Prophecy, tobacco, tattoos, no tattoos, Amen, brother. wearing makeup, I mean, some church, wearing makeup, wearing pants, a woman that is, <laughs> and a whole lot of other debatable matters, you know, and so what I'm saying is the subject of unity is very, very complicated. And it's even made complicated by the fact that there are different levels of unity. You know, there's an individual level of unity where you are unified with your brother in Christ, okay? And you come together and you have different guys and they're doing different things and they go to different churches. But we're still able to exercise unity. Um, you know, as long as the churches hold the doctrine of the truth, but they might have different elements that we don't always agree with, but the truth is, are there fundamental elements that we're agreeing to? Yeah. You know, and those are things that become very, very difficult for us to understand the concept of unity. I know there's a lot more I could say, and I'm not going to unpack that. That's not the point of my message this morning. But this morning, I really want to address three key questions. Why is Christian unity important? Why? I mean, that's an important thing to understand. What is biblical Christian unity? And how do we apply Christian unity in a way that is a witness to the world? So how do we do that? How do we apply Christian unity in a way that is a witness to the world? So the main idea encompassing all of this is this. Because Christian unity is so important, we need to think biblically about what it means and how to apply it. You've got to think about it. So, first question but before I go there, let's think about this. Now, you, you've got a body. 
And in your body, you've got a foot, you've got a hand, you've got fingers, you've got an eye, you've got a nose, you've got a mouth, and all that. And you know that if your finger's hurting, this is what the Lord showed me, if your finger's hurting, what do you do? You, you, you would try and treat your finger, wouldn't you? If it was very serious, you'd go to a doctor, and the doctor would help you sort, of sort out your finger. What you don't do is take that finger and cut it off. Correct. I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't. Because to me, that's self-mutilation. You've got to be pretty weird to do that. Right. So why is it that in the body of Christ, we kind of have that approach? You know, a brother hurts, a brother does this, a brother strays, a brother goes off the rails. What do we do? Do we cast with what normally happens? Instead of restoring the person back to wholeness and letting them come to healing, they get cut off and they get thrown away. Now, that is not what I'm talking about here. Please understand that. It is so important that we stay and walk alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ and walk with them to wholeness. We're all on a journey. We're all under construction. None of us are perfect. All of us have struggles. Well, okay, I'm the only one who has struggles. Okay. Hallelujah. But you know what I'm trying to say. And the important thing is to understand that what we're talking about here is not disunity or dysfunction. What we're talking about is how we can love our brothers and sisters according to the Word of God. And you know that if you love someone, you will tell them the truth. If I love you, I'm not going to tell you that it's okay to do that. I'm going to love you through that. I'm going to love you to restoration. But I'm not going to tell you, hey, it's okay. Because if I do that, I'm not loving you and I'm not walking in unity. And the God kind of love. So, that was just a side journey. Um, we'll try not to go on too many of those this morning. Anyway, so the first thing I'm going to look at is why is Christian unity so important? So, Christian unity is important because Christ died to secure it. And it is a major factor in our witness to the world. So let's look at the first point. Christian unity is important because Christ died to secure it. Man, Christ died to secure it. I mean, that's got to tell you something. How important unity is. Because Christ died to secure it. In Ephesians 2, 13 to 16, Paul writes, But now in Christ Jesus, you, were form you formerly were far off, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is a law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by having put to death the enemy. So, it took the cross, come on, it took the cross to break down the barrier between Jews and Gentiles, and to reconcile these two forms. You must remember, the Jews and the Gentiles were at war. I mean, they were totally opposed, they were alienated groups. And because of Jesus dying on the cross, he brought them into one body in the church. You know, we phrase we often use at weddings is this, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. I'm sure you've heard that, those of you who have been married. So since Christ died for the unity of the church, it is an extremely important subject. Very important. 
And we must labor, we must labor to preserve and display. The second point is that Christian unity is important because it is a major factor in our witness to the world. You know, we wanted to run around being witness to the world. But you know that our unity will show the world that we are his disciples. Not our disunity. I mean, just look around this morning. I mean, you can see there's so many different people of different groups and we're all different. But we're unified. And why are we unified? We're unified in Christ. Come on. It's your an amen. Thank you, Pastor Andre. Now, you're allowed to say amen, eh? Amen. 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 In Paul's day, the divide between Jews and Gentiles was huge. It was really big. If the church could display to the world the unity between these groups, and this is the thing, that by them being unified, people would look and say, that would be such a powerful witness. Jesus said the same thing in his high priestly prayer the night before he was crucified. This is in John 17, 20 to 23. He said this, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you have loved me. See, the unbelieving world should look at the church. Man, <laughs> they should look at us and realize that there's something unnatural happening. They should be looking at us and seeing something different. Our visible unity should cause unbelievers to want to be part of the church. Amen. So we, should, we should have that happening, brothers and sisters. People should be looking at us and we should be saying, wow, look at that unity. Man, I want to be a part of that. And the question we have to ask is, are we seeing that? whole different sermon point two next question I want to deal with what is biblical biblical Christian unity what is biblical Christian unity biblical Christian unity is not primary primarily outward but rather is an unseen reality based on shared life in Christ so what we're looking at here is biblical Christian unity is not primarily outward what do I mean by that there are two, well, there are two types of unity in the Bible. In Ephesians 4 verse 3 it says, Paul says that we are to be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit is already a fact for believers, but we must be diligent to preserve it. So what I'm talking about here is there's already positional unity in the Spirit. The moment we come to Christ, the Word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13, for by one Spirit, we were all baptized, baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So Christ accomplished, accomplished this unity on the cross. Very important. So we call this, like I said, positional unity. But if you look at Ephesians 4 verse 13, now now I'm giving you a bit of meat this morning. So we're going to have to chew on a bit of meat, but it's okay. It's a good thing. 
In Ephesians 4 verse 13, after talking about the ministry of pastors and teachers who equip the saints for the work of the ministry, Paul adds, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. So what are we talking about here? We'll be talking about a practical unity. So there's not only a spiritual unity or positional unity, there's also a practical outworking. So it can't just be that there's spiritual unity that actually was caused and accomplished at the unity on the cross. We need to look at a practical unity. So in saying that, let's look at things that we're going to look at spiritual reality and the spirit. What is this? What is it? What is it not? That's what I'm trying to get to. There's three things that unity is not. Very important, okay? Because, I mean, if we're going to say this is unity, what is unity not? So the first thing that unity is not, unity is not organizational unity. Okay, what I mean by that. So we have organizations such as the World Council of Churches and the National Council of Churches, which promote organizational and external unity amongst various denominations, okay? But the thing is this. Both councils are notoriously theologically and politically liberal. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? This is not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about an organized unity. We're not talking about one governing body. This is not the unity we're talking about. That is not what spiritual unity is. The other thing that Christian unity is not, it's not uniformity. Man, why do we want to all look the same and say the same thing and be the same? That is not what Christian that's not what Christian unity is. You know, we don't have to look alike, talk alike, enjoy the same kind of activities. Man, I don't know, I've been to some well, let's not go there, but you know, suddenly everybody starts looking the same. <laughs> yeah, suddenly they all look like hipsters. Hey, that's it's okay, but what I'm trying to say is we all being fearfully and wonderfully made. We all like called to be what God has called us to be. We don't all have to fit into a, a mold and all look the same, all say the same, all you know, walk the same, <laughs> talk the same. <laughs> oh Lord, help me. No, there was. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna cut some of this out of it, man. Thank goodness. Now I know why God said, "Don't go live this morning." Can get myself into a lot of trouble this morning? It's like, hmm. Okay. I mean, back in the 70s, and now I wasn't, uh, I wasn't born, well, I was born there. <laughs> but not born again. <laughs> oh, shucks. But there was this Chinese leader, Witness Lee, okay? And there was a movement that swept through the States at that time. And there was a Chinese leader, and like, suddenly they all cut, they were hippies, and that was part of, the, it was a hippie movement that had happened, and suddenly all the hippies cut off their hair, and beards and started wearing white shirts with narrow black ties um, and they started sounding like him and talking like like him it was kind of weird you know it's like but this said nothing what i'm trying to say this has nothing to do with true christian unity yeah. you know the very analogy of being members of christ's body implies that all members do not look the same or serve the same function the beauty of the body is that it functions as one body that consists of many different members. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. And we've got to, we've, we've got to get there. We've got to understand that. We've got to understand that we should not try to force people 
to look like us. See, we're not trying to make people followers of us. Come on. Amen. Amen. We hear an amen to that. Amen. We want people to be followers of Jesus, of Christ. We want people to mimic Jesus, not us. So Christian unity is not unanimity on every doctrine. And that's where people get so caught up in this as well. Man, you have wars fought about doctrine. No, you know, okay, yes, let me not. It's a bit more complicated than that. So let me just quickly unpack three things here. There's three broad levels of, of biblical doctrine. There are essential truths necessary for salvation, right? Those are things that you can't compromise on. You don't compromise on these certain things you cannot compromise on. These include the inspiration and authority of the Bible, the Trinity, the full deity and humanity of Christ, his substitutionary death on the cross, his bodily resurrection and second coming, and salvation by grace through faith alone, apart from works. Those are things we can't debate. But there are other doctrines which are important, but non-saving truths. Not going to go into it. That could be around church government, maybe views on baptism. <laughs> you, know, there's so many, you know, there's so many different things that we could go into. Christians and psychology, divorce and remarriage. Those are like important but non-saving truths. And then there's interesting but not essential important matters. And these won't even affect how you live your Christian life. And you know the sad thing is, there's so many Christians... They get stuck on the third point. They go to war about interesting but non-essential or important matters. They go to war about things that aren't even important. Man, Lord, save us from this nonsense. Amen. Amen. Right. Moving along, the second point. Biblical Christian unity is an unseen truth based on shared life through a saving faith in Christ. Very important point that. And I'm not going to unpack that point anymore. The third point, how do we apply Christian unity in a way that is a witness to the world? And this is really what I wanted to get to this morning. So I've been like pushing it a bit. I know you don't believe it, but I have been. So everybody say amen. amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you then. <laughs> Praise God. How do we apply Christian unity in a way that is a witness to the world? This is so key. Now for biblical Christians, Christian unity to be a witness to the world, we must work at preserving and perfecting it. We, we must work at it. We must work at it. Not anyone else. We must work at preserving and perfecting it. And this is what we call practical unity. You now I talked about positional unity, which is unity in the spirit. We're now talking about practical unity. It comes from about as we grow to maturity by coming to know Jesus. And you know, we've got to get there, man. We've got to get there where we actually are wearing Jesus well. I must tell you, brother, this not moving around is very difficult. <laughs> I love you, but it's very difficult. I know we're in unity, but... <laughs> Hallelujah. Man. I'm trying to sweat that I can't move around. It's like... <laughs> I'm suffering from withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> Movement withdrawal symptoms. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Ah, <laughs> oh, Lord help us Okay, so this is practical unity And this is what the Bible says So the practical question is How do we preserve the unity of the spirit And perfect the unity of the faith 
And I'm going to look at seven points quickly in closing. <laughs> seven points quickly. This is closing one. I'm allowed three closings. No, 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 no. That's, that's not me. Okay, so I'm going to look at seven practical ways we can preserve and perfect true Christian unity. And this is really what I wanted to get to and focus on this morning. We preserve and perfect unity by working at harmonious relationships with all believers. As Paul exhorts in Ephesians 4, 1-2, we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. To preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. After talking about the unity of the body in, in Colossians 3, verse 11, Paul adds this, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility. What do we put on? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is a perfect, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You see, harmonious relationships, whether in our homes or in the church, do not happen automatically or effortlessly. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We need to work. I mean, listen, if you're in a marriage, you can say you love your wife, okay? That, that we can call positional. You become one flesh. You've committed yourself to each other. But the practical side is you've got to walk out your, your actual marriage, practically. It takes effort. It's, it's hard work. It doesn't just happen. Man, am I right, my love? Oh, boy. And Lord, you say if you ask for wisdom, you liberally supply. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, wisdom. Thank you. Uh, I think I liked a bit of wisdom there. No, no, no. Okay. But it, what I'm saying is that we need, to, we need to work at it. It's not automatic. It's not effortless. It takes continuous hard work. Because you're going to continuous bump your head. That, that's what happens in relationships. And the problem is what often happens in the church is that people aren't prepared to do that. The moment someone gets offended, they leave. The moment someone doesn't like something, they leave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, we've got to get past that. We preserve and perfect unity by, another second point, we preserve and perfect unity by growing in understanding biblical truth so that we know Christ more deeply. We've got to, got to understand biblical truth. You know, we've got to read our Bibles. We've got to, we've got to study our Bibles. We've got to spend time with Jesus. You know, you won't know someone unless you spend time with them. And when we spend time with Jesus and the author of the Word, and we spend time in the Word, we're going to go into a relationship and we're going to get a close understanding. I mean, you know what it's like when you really know someone. Sometimes you don't even have to let them, don't even have to speak. And you kind of understand where they're going already. All right. Amen. Amen. Back, I'm going back. <laughs> I'm looking in desperation. Going, Give me something to work on. <laughs> okay, right. Oh, thank you, my love. All right. 
So we attain to the unity of the faith by coming to what? In Ephesians 4.13 it says, The knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Our unity deepens as we grow to know Christ as revealed in His Word. As we get to know Christ as revealed in His Word. So I encourage you, and that's why we keep saying, make sure that you actually have a Bible. I know that you have it on your phone, but you know, nothing, there's nothing better than a Bible. Amen. Am I right, brother? Amen. To be able to go there and you feel the paper. And, but whichever way you want to work it, I'm not, it doesn't matter. The point is, we need to spend time in His Word. And, in, and Christ is revealed in His Word. We preserve and perfect unity by displaying racial, cultural, and social unity and diversity. You know, in, in Galatians 3, verse 28, it says this. There is neither, and this is Paul speaking, Apostle Paul, he says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one in Christ Jesus. He sought to demonstrate the unity between Jews and Gentiles in Christ by raising a huge, so what she did was he tried to raise a huge financial gift from the Gentile churches to give to the poor Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. The point I'm trying to get to, and this is what I, this is my opinion. This is not the opinion of Love on Church. No, it is the opinion of Love But I might, I might, I might be, I might, I might step on some toes here. Your, your toes on too close. Put them up. But I've got to say this. I, th I think it's wrong, categorically wrong, to divide the church along ethnic or cultural lines. Amen. And less language is a factor. I do understand that, and I don't have a problem with that. But I'm saying, I have a problem when you go to a church and you see no diversity. There needs to be diversity. There should not be Jewish churches, Gentile churches, black churches. I'm saying there should be the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And if... If it is a language thing, it's, that, that, that's okay. But you know what? And I'm not, I'm not going to say where, what, or how, but we attended a church service because we were invited. And just cut this out, brother, please. Anyway, so I can work great. So we attended a church. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I love us. I can move. Hey, <laughs> suddenly I feel the Spirit of God coming. Hey, <laughs> Jesus, man. The Spirit flows. No, it's more and more into this side. I can feel it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, right. oh, I can feel it. No, but I mean, so we went to this church, and really what struck me, it was an amazing church. And everything was awesome. But you know, there was no diversity in that church. And I'm not being funny. There was no diversity. And I'm going, how does that... How does that display what Jesus died for? I mean, we are one in Christ. We're one in Christ. We, we're not black, white, yellow, green, or blue. We follow the Christ. Yes, we have cultural differences. We have all that. But we're one in Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. So, that's what I love about Love Beyond Church and what God's building. I was just thinking about it. You know, how old are we now? Ten months now. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is doing a good thing. Well, he's doing a God thing, rather. Yeah. It's not so a good thing. Amen. 
So we preserve and perfect unity by the acceptance and appreciation of one another's different gifts. By the acceptance and appreciation of one another's different gifts. Come on, brothers. Let's stop. Let's stop trying to be something that we shouldn't be. Just be who God's called you to be. Come on. If he's called you to be, to serve in that way, serve in that way. Don't try and, you know, and it's kind of like a human nature trend. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it must be more cooler to be there. Or it must be better to be there. No, God is saying, just be what I've called you to be. See, so Paul was writing to the fact they were like, they were really broken up and split the Corinthian church. And he devotes the bulk of 1 Corinthians 12 to the analogy of the church as the one body of Christ, made up of many diverse but essential members. So that was the whole thing about the Corinthian church. It was made up of many diverse but essential members. No member can rightly say to another member, I have no need of you. And that's what we've got to understand. Whatever you do, you're doing unto the Lord, and it's critically important. You know, if you don't have a toe, you might think, oh, you can't see the toe, the toe's in the shoe, it's ugly. The toe's ugly, I don't know. But the point I'm making is you've got toes and you don't see them, but yeah, you've got a face and you see the face and the eyes and all the eyes are more important than the toes. But believe me, if you've ever lost a toe, well, I haven't. Yeah. But I've heard that it's very difficult to walk without a toe. Anyone else? Anyone lost a toe? <laughs> no, but it is difficult, isn't it? Just if you don't have a finger, it's difficult. You, know, you can't write. With, it's, this is very difficult. So what I'm just saying, though we all have different personalities, come on, backgrounds, preferences, and spiritual gifts, we need to accept and appreciate the differences. You know what I mean? I mean, there's nothing worse than trying to be something that you're not. If you're not called, for example, like my brothers, if you're not called to a biker ministry, don't try and be a biker. You know what I mean? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I remember when I joined Chariots of Light, I got this lacquer cut and I thought, whoa, I had my motorbike and I was screaming around and I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, but I'm not called to this. I mean, I mean, I love my brothers, but I mean, I'm not called to do that. I mean, I'm not, you understand what I'm trying to say? If you're not, it's like me trying to grab the guitar and, from Pastor Andre and say, listen, <laughs> Well, today I think I'm ready to call the worship. <laughs> well, there's going to be two acts in the church. <laughs> maybe. Maybe one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you and I. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, but you know the point I'm trying to make. Keep praying for you. Keep praying. It can happen. It can change at any time. I mean, God can do amazing things. Suddenly you can... <laughs> All right. Okay, moving on. We preserve and perfect unity by accepting all whom Christ has accepted, while yet holding to truths that we believe are important for the growth of Christ. So, what am I saying here? We should welcome all church members. We should welcome everyone into the body of Christ, right? Even if they've got differing views, right? And I'm not talking about the essential views, but they might hold different views. They might have different doctrinal attitudes about certain things. But what we've got to do is we've got to actually allow people to come in and we need to actually then express the truth to them. You know what I mean? 
the body of Christ is not meant to drive people out. We're meant to be a lighthouse that pulls people in. We should be a beacon for the lost to come, to be able to feel safe and to go on a journey of transformation, reformation and restoration. No, we can't, I mean, we can't say to people, oh, come as you are. When people come as they are, then you want to drive them away. <laughs> I mean, am I right? I don't know. I deserve a better amen than that, man. I'm preaching real good on this. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We preserve and perfect unity by rejoicing when other gospel-preaching, Bible-believing, Christ-exalting churches do well. Oh! Come on. You know, why are we in comp we're not in competition with our, with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Let's celebrate one another. We should be completing one another in Christ, not competing. Amen. This is not a marketing exercise, brother. Oh, listen, you won't believe you opened a church around the corner. Well, they're going to steal all my members now. <laughs> Who is members? You're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the kingdom of God. Amen. I mean, let's stop that nonsense. We've got to get rid of this competitive spirit in the body of Christ. You know, we've got to stop it. You know, oh, and, and like, oh, you won't believe how many people they got going at that church. Come on, man. Let's, let's say thank you, Jesus, that more people are coming to the Lord. And are being, that's what we should be doing. We should be celebrating one another. You know, and that we should also say is if we're part of the same kingdom, maybe we can learn from them. Maybe we can go to them and say, listen, I see you doing this. Maybe you can help me to be more effective. And we may disagree on certain secondary matters, but we can put them down and get out of the spirit of jealousy and the spirit of competition and get the spirit of unity. You know, if we spend more time just engaging with one another, we might find that we're not so different. You see, the problem that they do is people just look, they walk by sight. They look at people and go, oh, you're probably like that. No, who says I'm like that? Do you know me? You know what I'm saying? So we've got to change it, man. We've got to change it. No more competition, but more completion. More kingdom-minded. That's what we have to be. My last point. Everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. We preserve and perfect unity by holding firmly to essential biblical truths while guarding ourselves against, and this is so important, Guarding ourselves against the pride of being right on every minor issue. Man. Ouch. You know, it's right. It's a right to strive for deeper doctrinal understanding and purity. But we need to always guard ourselves against spiritual pride. Man. Or, you know, oh, I have the latest revelation. Yeah, you might have the latest revelation. Praise God. But. You know, maybe you need to jump off your high horse and your haughtiness because that's not going to actually help someone to actually get an understanding and lead someone into a truth that maybe God has given you. Maybe you've got to put on the handbrakes on and be a little bit more gracious, a little bit more kind and humble and patient with others who may not yet understand everything the way we understand it. Amen. You know what I mean? You've got to stop that, brothers. I mean, 
we're driving people away because we think we're doing good, but we're not doing good because we're all puffed up. Ouch. Amen. You know, truthfully, this it's not about how much Bible you know. No. And it's good to know the Bible because the Bible is, is very important. But what's more important is how you treat people and how you show people Jesus. Amen. So if God uses us to impart a deeper knowledge of the truth to another believer, how will it come? It will come through our kindness and love, not through spiritual pride. Spiritual pride is not going to get anyone to come to Jesus. I can tell you that. And I know today has been quite heavy in a sense, and I've tried it. <laughs> By God's grace, I've cut it in half. Can you imagine? I could have been sleeping. <laughs> But the point is this, this is very important things to understand. And I'm not under the illusion that, you know, what I've actually spoke about today will solve the difficult problem of Christian unity. Because it's a very complex, complex problem. But we need to seek to grow in the unity of the faith and hold on to our convictions with humility. But we can't do that by compromising what the Lord has taught us. You know, that's what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is we need to stick to biblical unity. What we can't do is we can't want to be unified with everyone at the expense of the Word of God yeah. and biblical truths. Amen. And that is what's happening, brothers and sisters, in closing. We have a church where the spirit of compromise has entered. And people are actually being seeker-friendly because they're trying to attract people, but they're actually compromising the Word of God. So people aren't hearing the biblical truth. So they're not being set free. So they're kept in bondage. And we cannot let that happen. We need to love people, but we need to love people into the truth of the Word of God. Perhaps this word of wisdom in closing from the godly 19th century Anglican bishop, J.C. Ryle, is a fitting way to conclude. He says this, Controversy and religious strife, no doubt, are odious things. But there are times when they are a positive necessity. Times when they are a positive necessity. Unity and peace are very delightful. But they are bought too dear. And get this, if they are bought at the expense of truth. they're bought at the expense of truth do not have unity and peace at the expense of truth controversy in fact is one of the conditions under which truth in every age has to be defended and maintained and it is nonsense to ignore it so father i just want to thank you lord i know that there's a lot to get out this morning in a very short space of time but i thank you father god that was i just pray that what you want people to keep in their hearts, that they will keep in their hearts, Father. I thank you, Lord, that your word never returns void. And I, Father, we pray with all our hearts, Father, that you release a spirit of unity amongst us, Father. A spirit of unity. Father, that so when the world looks at, looks at us, they will see that we are his disciples by the love that we have one for another. I just pray, Father, that we'll never compromise your word and we'll never compromise you. But, Father, help us to open our hearts to everyone and let's, let's bring everybody into the kingdom of God. 
and walk with them into all truth. In Jesus' name. With all the heads bowed while we're in the spirit. If there's anybody that's sitting here this morning, and if they were to die right now, they don't know they're going to heaven. If that is you, please raise your hand. If there's anybody sitting here that doesn't know Jesus, just raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. Let's all pray. Pray this after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross and you risen from the dead. I believe that you are seated at the right hand of the Father. This morning, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I turn from my former life and from this day forward, I will be obedient to your word and serve you as my Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...